Greetings and salutations to everybody out there in podcast land. This is the Judo Chop Suey Podcast, and I'm your host, Judo Dave Roman. Welcome to the Pump the Brakes edition of the Judo Chop Suey Podcast. I'll be sure to get to more of that a little bit later, but first, what's going on, everybody? How you doing? Hopefully, you all had a injury-free week and that you've had a good week training and you managed to stay safe out there. Something I saw yesterday, which is the first time in my life, speaking of safe or not safe or whatever, you know that joke where people say, why did the chicken cross the road? Well, in Ruskin, Florida, I literally saw a chicken cross the road and it stopped traffic on a busy, busy road. I, I couldn't I couldn't believe my eyes. So, so this is what happened yesterday. I had to drop my car off to the repair shop because... I needed new tires. It, it's starting to, it, we're getting into the rainy season in Florida. And my tires have been kind of bald. So it's very dangerous to drive in the rain in Florida uh, with bad tires. So I'm like, all right, look, I got to bring my car to the shop. So I decided to do that. My wife picked me up uh, at the shop and she dropped me off home. But she's off busy at work while I'm working from home. So I decided to call the shop to find out when they're going to close for the day and it turns out they're going to close really early so it's like oh no well my wife is is at work and i'm i'm at home i i gotta get there somehow so i decided to run it was only about about two miles away actually a little bit less than two miles away and i decided to run and as i'm getting to this busy road that i needed to cross the street to get to the other side i see this chicken come out of nowhere (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, and and stops traffic. I mean, you got a whole pile of. I'm surprised there was not a nobody got rear-ended or anything. But the the cars were like stuck because you know one car almost hits the poor thing that that the chicken tries to fly away and it can't. It jumps in front of this van that has to come to a screeching stop. And and then when the chicken realizes it's not going to get run over, he just kind of walks around with the whole buck, 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 that kind of thing. It was like. So I was like, I think to myself, all right, here's my chance to cross this busy road so that I don't get run over. So I managed to do that. I picked up my car. But outside of uh, seeing for the first time a chicken cross the road, I realized for the first time in a long time that I'm not in the kind of shape that I thought I was in. Because I ran about 1.7 miles and it took me 16 minutes to do it. And that's pathetic. I mean... There used to be a time in my life that I could run a mile in in four minutes and thirty seconds, and I mean these days I don't I don't think if I were to try and sprint at my age I could even break uh, I could even come close to a six minute mile. So I am resolved to become a better athlete as I get older. Now, a- athlete's a strong word. I resolve to get in better shape over the next uh, over the next year for sure. And I'm, I'm hoping that you guys can keep me accountable to make sure that I'm doing the things that I need to do to improve that, that mile time. Because I, I gotta, I have to be able to run on any given day under an under eight minute mile. I'm, that's not asking a lot out of me. So I need to get there because th- that was pathetic. 1.7 miles in 16 minutes. I used to, years ago, I used to run three miles in about 16 minutes and 20 seconds. That was that was when I was, uh, obviously, I was a young man. I was in the pr- athletic prime of my life. But I used to be able to run three miles in the amount of time that I ran 1.7 miles. 
absolutely pathetic. I'm embarrassed about it, but I'm sharing it with you all. Be you all there. See, there's my New England slash New York slash Southern accent for you. I'm a guy that sounds like a northerner, except I say y'all. So you all need to keep me accountable and make sure that I'm staying on top of trying to be in better shape than what I currently am. So because that that was just pathetic. So anyway, that was yesterday. I had a pretty good. Uh, it was a small training class with with my own club yesterday. Again, it's kind of tough because the club's still kind of in limbo, but. As I said last week, as I said the week before, I think we have a place. We're just trying to find out where we're going to go. Next weekend, I'm going to a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu clinic being held locally. And this is kind of an attempt for not only our club to gain a little bit of exposure, but this other person who's who's doing the clinic is trying to to grow uh trying to weigh whether or not he should even pursue being a Brazilian jiu-jitsu instructor because this this dude is a world-class tattoo artist and I don't I don't know if any of you uh uh listeners out there got a bunch of tattoos you guys would never know it but I actually I'm I'm actually pretty covered with tattoos not you really can't you won't see them normally in the, my normal day-to-day clothes cuz I like to keep them out of sight because I'm a I'm a professional. I don't want to freak people out. That it, it's at least over here, you know, visible tattoos in the workplace is still is still uh, not really taboo, but it's it's sometimes it could be frowned down upon. Sometimes they'll say, "Well, look, you need to wear long sleeve shirts all the time." So that's why you never see tattoos like you know on my neck or on my arms. But I got them on my shoulders, and I got a full back piece, and I'm going to be working on something. Uh, I'm getting a tattoo. On my on my uh, chest area or or my my front torso over the next couple of weeks. Anyway, this guy's a world class tattoo artist. I definitely want to be inked by him at some point. But he's also a high. Uh, I believe he's a brown belt, going for his black belt in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, and he's holding a clinic next week. So I'm looking forward to that. And if this particular clinic works out for him, he's gonna have our small judo club be a part of. Uh, a part of his jiu-jitsu club in some way. That's that's my understanding. So I hope this goes well. I definitely want to show up for this clinic so that it shows it shows this particular building owner that hey, you know, we do have you you can make money off of us and and we can have a place to train. So we're looking to do that. And I I can't this is gonna sound crazy. Even though the club is moving and we've kind of lost students, I can't wait to move because the sensei and myself have been talking about how we can improve the club, and how we can improve our mat space. And we've talked about this before, and I want to make sure that wherever we move to, that we have the option or the ability to have some kind of sprung floor. Because he and I both recognize that, well, obviously, judo is a tough sport. We all know that as judoka. But having a bunch of mats just on concrete... That's a tough ask for adults to take falls on that. And quite frankly, that's a tough ask for a lot of kids. And even my own son, I shared this story a couple of weeks ago. He's been doing, he hasn't been doing judo with me lately because he's been busy with schoolwork and such. And that's more important to me. But I dropped my son with a, with a perfect dayashi, uh, or okuriashi, but I, and, and he dropped like a rock and he was, he was, in pain for like about 30 seconds. I felt terrible about it. 
But I'm telling you, he hasn't quit. But I'm telling you, if I were to drop him two or three more times like that, he would be done. I, I know it. And a lot of kids out there, if they take hard falls on our current mat setup, they would probably be done after a couple of falls if they're beginners. So we recognize the need to improve our flooring for our club. And that's something that not only we have to do, but I think there's a lot of judo clubs out there that take that for granted. At least the clubs that I've been a part of. When I when I was coming up through the ranks uh, with my my you know primary coach, we had we had tatami on on uh you know I think maybe the tatami was on a foam pad, a, a thin foam pad which was on top of concrete. And look, I wanted to learn judo. I love judo, so I I would I, I would take falls on on grass every day if I needed to if that meant me learning judo. But not everybody has that same mindset, and we have to be a little more. Uh, customer service oriented and we have to be understanding of people who we may be able to retain people that we may normally not be able to retain if we just improve the flooring of our club so long story short we're looking to find the place we're looking to improve our flooring and but you know given the fact that we might be running out of the taekwondo school or something like that it it, it may be tough to do that but the instructor, you know, the sensei and I, we both recognize we have to do something different. We have to have a better social media presence. We have to, you know, Dr. Roddy Ferguson was talking, he had a chat earlier this week on his Facebook page. And he was talking about, and this is something that I'm going to get into in this podcast, which is, which is why I've called it the pump the brakes version of this podcast. But he was talking about USA Judo a little bit. In terms of them needing to improve their customer service. And he's absolutely right. But even ourselves as a small club, we also need to do a better job with outreach and customer service. And a big part of that is improving our flooring. Because if we can create an environment that, you know, we're not going to lessen the, the falls. I mean, we're going to, you, but we can create an environment where there's crash pads and the flooring is, is built as such where new and prospective students can take falls on a regular basis and not feel like they've been in a car accident after 50 falls. I think that would go a long way with, with uh, retention of students. So we need to do that. We need to, and something Dr. Roddy Ferguson said I thought was very interesting. You build a relationship with your clients through social media. Now, that's something that I've tried to do with this podcast. It's something that I've tried to do on my Facebook and Twitter. I'm trying to do a better job with that. But it's very tough because I really have a full-time career. I'm a I'm a management manager of a small team and, and I'm part of – I'm I'm part of a, a a group of team leads in my IT department, so I can't sit there and and be on Facebook and Twitter all day. But I try I do the best that I can, and I dedicate my weekends and my free time during the week toward creating this podcast. So it's something that we're looking forward to do, and it's something that I want to be able to talk about for other small smaller club owners and how they can build their own numbers. I can't speak to how to do that, but I'm hoping to learn from other people's examples and try and take a page out of what they're doing in order to 
uh, you know, build relationships on social media, build relationships through the local community and, and, and get involved and put our names out there a little bit more. That's all stuff that we're looking forward to doing. But I think we need to get out of this space that we're at currently because I, I've said it before, you know, I talked about the chicken crossing the road in Ruskin, our clubs in Ruskin, Florida. And if you've never been to Ruskin, uh, you, you never want to come to Ruskin. There's some nice, I got some spots in Ruskin that I love going to some local restaurants and such. And I do love living in Ruskin, but most people's opinions on Ruskin around here is it's, it's not a really great place. And where our club is, quite frankly, it's in an area where I wouldn't want to walk by myself at night. I think we need to be in a better location. And I think that will help us as well over the course of the long run. So stay tuned for all that and I'll keep you guys posted with all of that. Before I get into the meat and potatoes of this podcast, there's a few, as always, housekeeping stuff I want to get out of the way. This weekend, I watched Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. And that's right, Chewbacca made a surprise appearance in the movie. I'm kidding. No, he didn't. Come on, guys. Really? Anyway, without giving too much of the movie away, I, I thought it was really, really good. I enjoyed it almost as much as the first movie. I, I think this movie... There was a lot that I loved about it. I thought the plot was a little, just a little bit convoluted. I thought there was just a little bit too much. And, and there were times that I felt that it maybe dragged just a little bit. I, I don't know. But I enjoyed it a lot. They, Kurt Russell plays uh, Star-Lord's dad. And, you know, there's Yondu's back. And you got the baby Groot. And it, it, there's a lot of the same type of humor that was in the first Guardians of the Galaxy. I personally thought the first movie was a little bit better. I thought the story was a little bit better. But but this movie, don't get, don't get me wrong. If I were to rate this on a scale of 1 to 10, I'd give it a solid 8. Where, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy, for me, the first one, uh, I, that's a 9 for me. It just personally. Uh, I loved a lot of the action scenes. I, I thought... I, I I thought they did a really good job with that. I thought they did a good job with just showing how the relationships developed in terms of, you know, how the Guardians interact with each other and such. And it was a lot of fun. The movie, you know what? It's a fun movie. It's a great movie. You know, you get these Marvel Cinematic Universe movies that typically come out the first week of May. And, and this is a great movie to start off the summer. I, I highly recommend you watch it. If you go watch this movie, you have to stay for the entire credits. There are more bonus scenes than any other uh, Marvel movie to date. And they're all relevant. They're all entertaining. They're all interesting. So, highly recommend you watch the movie. I I'm curious to know if you liked it better than the first one or not. There is going to be a Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 at some point. I just hope it doesn't take another three years to get here because you know, some of these actors are getting older. If you, I mean, I'm not really spoiling anything here. Sylvester Stallone's in the movie. You had your another appearance by by uh, Stan Lee, who who's got to be 117 by now. But in, in speaking of Stan Lee, his his roles here in in this particular movie it. I'm not sure if it's a throwaway role or if this, this particular role ties into 
all of the other movies combined. But this, I, I'm not going to give this one away. But this particular cameo that he had seemed far more relevant than any other cameo he's done in any other Marvel Cinematic Universe movie over the past 17 years. So, again, I highly recommend you watch this movie. It's a lot of fun, and uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's about time for my favorite segment of the Judo Chop Suey podcast. What time is it? Listener reaction. My favorite segment of the Judo Chop Suey podcast. And... This segment of the Judo Chop Suey podcast is sponsored by one of my favorite YouTube channels, The Nick and Sai Show. Now, I'm not saying they're one of my favorite YouTube channels because they're sponsoring the segment. It's been one of my favorite channels for many, many years. Nick and Sai Collier have been creating Judo, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, self defense, and stunt type videos for many, many years. And they also compete nationally in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. They put out good stuff. Now, a couple of days ago, they just posted a video of showing Nicholas Collier of the Nick and Sai show taking double gold at the Naga Atlanta uh, uh, Naga event held in At- Atlanta, Georgia, winning the expert team Gi and No Gi divisions. And he won each of his matches by submission. And, and he performed really well here and. And it's it's evident at this particular tournament that their competitors know all about Nick and Sai because and their judo ability because I watched one of his matches and as soon as the as soon as the ref called to the, the start the fight the kid immediately sat down and guard and he had to be stood back up because he wanted no part of Nick and his throwing ability so congratulations to you Nick great job now. You guys have seen those John Wick movies, right? I, after all, it's a display of judo combined with guns and killing and all this awesome action stuff. Well, the Collier Brothers are sponsored by 8711 Action Design, which is the company that produced and directed those John Wick movies. Go on and check out the Nick and Sai show on YouTube. It's www.theyoutube.com forward slash user forward slash Nick and Sai. I'll put the link in the uh, podcast description. Subscribe to them, and you know, while you're at it, subscribe to my YouTube channel too. All right. So, in terms of listener reaction, I I haven't had a chance to take a look at my email for for probably about a day or so because I've just been busy packing because I'm going to be moving and, and such. Oh, speaking of which, coming up in a few weeks, the Judo Chop Suey Old School House Party. It's going to be a house party in my new home. You all are welcome to join. I can't wait for it. You're going to be very excited. You're going to love it. You're all invited. I can't wait. Anyway, I just wanted to let you guys know ahead of time. I'm going to keep announcing my house party, and it's going to it's going to be it's going to be awesome. It's going to be it's be filled. I'm going to get a DJ. Going to have some some old school rap and things like that. It's an old school theme party. It's going to be great. You're all invited. You're all invited. Anyway. All right, so I gotta I gotta check out my my email here. Let's see, www.gmail.com. All right, let's see. Put the enter and and password. I'm not gonna say that on the air. All right, uh, get an email here from Prince Aliusi Islasis. Oh, let's take a look, dear sir. I have been requested by the Nigerian National Petroleum Company to contact you for assistance in resolving a matter. The Nigerian Petroleum Company, 
Nigerian National Petroleum Company has recently concluded a large number of contracts for oil exploration in the sub-Sahara region. The contracts have immediately produced monies equaling $40 million. The Nigerian National Petroleum Company is desirous of oil exploration in other parts of the world. However, because of certain regulations of the Nigerian government, it is unable to move these funds to another region. Okay, so... Your assistance is requested as a non-Nigerian citizen to assist the Nigerian National Petroleum Company and also the Central Bank of Nigeria in moving these funds out of Nigeria. If the funds can be transferred in your name, in your United States account, then you can forward the funds as directed by the Nigerian National Petroleum Company uh, in exchange for your accommodating services. The Nigerian National Petroleum Company would have allow you to retain 10% or $4 million. <laughs> I can't believe this. We'll be in the money. We're in the money. <laughs> what a tremendous opportunity. Whoa. All right. Look, I got to continue with this podcast, but but uh, your highness, I will get in contact with you as soon as possible. I, I'll send you all the information that you need. This is this is just, I, I'm, I'm going to help you out. Believe me, just, just, Sit tight. Just let me wrap up this podcast. All right. So, all right. Moving on. Ooh, that's 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 incredible. All right. There's a couple of interesting Twitter notifications that I got. Um, actually, uh, this one really shocks me. Jamie Kennedy, like the Jamie Kennedy, like the the actor Jamie Kennedy, he just added me to the list of top comedians. Now, <laughs> I don't think I'm a comedian by any means, but but this is for real. I'll 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 post this screenshot up and uh, put it up on my official uh, Judo Chop Suey uh, podcast Facebook page and, and Twitter page. This is this kind of shocking to tell you the truth. Uh, not as shocking as the four million dollars, but yeah, this is incredible. I checked the account of the Jamie Kennedy page, and sure enough, it's got that blue check mark. So maybe it's a representative of him or maybe it's him himself. If he listens to the podcast, bro, shoot me a message. I'll, I'll put you on. You can make me laugh for once because I, I must be making somebody laugh anyway. And uh, I got a tweet from, or, or actually I got a, a personal note from, from Nick Coster. He appreciated uh, me referencing him on my last podcast regarding USA Judo. Now, if you're not aware, Nick Coster is on the 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 executive board, if I'm not mistaken, or at the very least, he he plays a volunteer role within USA Judo. So, if you're not aware, Nick is a former high level competitor for the United States, and and he's been on the the national team for many years, and and has gone to four you know Pan Ams, uh, five World Championships. He he's he's competed at the highest level, so. So Nick, man, I appreciate you checking out the podcast, and you, you know that I I I know that you are one of the good guys, and I want to get to this as well because the coach director for USA Judo, Sensei Serge Buyaso, hopefully I got that last name right, he had a very very informative facebook live chat a couple of days ago and this is this is why i wanted to talk about the podcast this particular episode being the pump the brakes version of the judo shop suey podcast because in my last episode when i heard kayla harrison's comments that was 
I was sharing with something with you almost real time. And what what I recorded and decided to share was my real-time reaction to this particular story. And there were some things that I said that I don't... I'm going to backtrack on a, a little bit because I said things that may have been taken out of context. I meant what I said, but well, mostly... I think one of the big things that I said that I would like to take back is this encouragement for all of you in the United States to stop sending your money to USA Judo. And I'm going to backtrack from that statement because, quite frankly, that doesn't help. Now, Serge had a very interesting discussion on his Facebook Live that I already shared on my Facebook page for the for the podcast and I'm going to link it in the podcast show notes because I th- I think it's important for all USA judo uh, members and judoka within the United States to take a take a listen to this and and look guys I know this is not a podcast for just US listeners almost half of you are from another country but I still think it's an important video to listen to because the problems that USA Judo faces are not unique problems. I'm sure there are many other Judo federations out there around the world that face similar problems. But Serge's point, one of his biggest points that he keeps he kept making in his statement was, you know, we need to be part of the solution instead of part of the problem. And for me to make a call to say stop supporting USA Judo, I think was premature. It was a reactionary response, and I would like to take that back. I, I'm i not going to go back and, and delete the podcast because I, I still think I made a lot of good points in regards to how I feel about what USA Judo has been doing over the past several years. Now, in his speech, he alluded to the past issues of USA Judo and wanting to move on from the mistakes of the past. And that's easier said than done from from all the people that have been impacted and disenfranchised with USA Judo. We we all can't just just move on that. If I had a bone of contention or or a disagreement with a lot of what he was saying, my only real disagreement is that this this idea that we can just move on and forget about the past. We, we can't forget about the past. This is I would liken this to. If you had a cheating spouse, whether you had a girlfriend cheated on you, a boyfriend cheated on you, husband, wife, you know, when when that person gets caught or when there's a level of suspicion there, we can't just move on past it. You know, we can't you can't expect somebody to say, oh, I'm sorry, baby. You know, I won't let that happen again, because that kind of a speech has this kind of speech has probably happened many times in the past where. USA Judo does something or doesn't do enough of something and they say, we'll do this better next time. We'll do this better next time. There comes a point, you, you know, even the most understanding people, you, you know, it's it's the, it's the classic line of fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. And I feel that for many years, the membership of USA Judo, the the, the local level people, the recreational people like myself, we have seen 
and heard of the different types of things that have happened within USA Judo. And there's a sense of disenfranchisement. And I think that I really believe one of the points that Serge made is that there are everybody on USA Judo cares and loves about Judo, cares and loves Judo and cares about the growth of the sport. When I watched this video, I got this sense from Serge that I absolutely believe him. And I absolutely, I came away with a different feeling about USA Judo that I believe, I believed him. I, I believe that the people in place now care about USA Judo. But there needs to come a point where the mistakes of the past have to be acknowledged. You know, if, look, I'll put myself out there. I've been cheated on before. And for people who have been in that situation, they need to know the truth, everything. All the cards have to be laid out on the table. And we need to walk away from a situation like this with the understanding that this is never going to happen again. And we just can't, and I, I know surge means well, but it, it, it's a lot more effort than just, well, let's just move on past this and, and work toward the future. I'm sorry. It just, for, for a lot of people, it doesn't work out that way. In her speech, Kayla Harrison used these words, I am breaking up with you. So she may feel in her own way like a jilted lover. And I know she is not alone in that sentiment. Some people will choose to break up with USA Judo and other people will try to make the relationship work. I am now on the side of wanting to try to make the relationship work because ultimately the only people that not supporting USA Judo harms are the athletes. And one thing I want to do with this particular podcast is bring more attention to who are national level athletes are hey and listen for you foreign listeners out there if you know of an athlete that's trying to be an olympic hopeful and you want them to be supported and you want people to support them through this podcast shoot me an email send me a link to their personal page and and i'll put that information out there as well again i recognize that this podcast is not an american podcast this is a global podcast and i want to grow judo not only locally and not only statewide but nationally and internationally as well it's important to me and even though i'm just a buffoon behind a microphone i still think through my buffoonery i can (laughs) help judo grow in my own way so i don't want you guys to not support usa judo if at all possible try and find it in your hearts to forgive the sins of you, the past sins of USA Judo and, and try and come to a point of understanding. But at the same time, USA Judo needs to do far more. Uh, and this is not on surge, but they need to do far more in, in mending that relationship between us grassroots people and the elite people. And it's important to support through USA Judo and, and through these athletes own whether they use GoFundMe's or have they have their own pages, it's going to it's important to support these athletes financially. And this is something I'm not just going to talk about from here on out. I'm going to support them financially as best as I can. And and I know for these people, every little bit counts because look, we've heard Kayla Harrison and Ronda Rousey say it. They they 
you know, lived out of their cars or, or they've lived off of ramen noodles. That's a reality for many of these athletes. So it's important to support them. And something that Serge stated in his talk that I thought was, was very, very important to realize is that when we support these athletes, when we support USA Judo, all of their success on the mats, we have a part of that success. And this is the biggest reason why I am pumping the brakes on some of those comments. Now, look, what I, some of the other things I said last week, I, I, I am doubling down on those comments. I'm not going to back away from those comments. I know Dr. Roddy Ferguson made similar comments and I, I didn't, I didn't make my comments in reaction to what he said, but you know, he said something along the lines of our, Olympians need to be tr- treated uh, special. And I, I kind of agree with that. Look, Kayla Harrison, and this was my point last week, she doesn't need a badge. And shame on you, whoever you were, that essentially said, you know, I know who you are to Kayla Harrison and, and basically said, I don't care, get behind that barrier. Now, Kayla actually put out a statement in, in following up on that, and I'll read it right now. She says, I want to take a moment and bring some clarity. I have some regret in my emotional moment and wish to clarify. Yeah, that's basically what I'm doing in this podcast. What I failed to mention in my emotional moment was that I also powered through a corrupt organization and leader for many years. I regret not saying that Saturday night. I also regret taking away the spotlight from a Paralympians and for hurting anyone currently competing's feelings and that's another thing i'm going to get to as well my speech was meant to make better judo for our next olympic champion and to say goodbye to a sport that i have loved for a very long time a lot went into deciding to speak out i didn't want to and 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 up until the last minute i wasn't going to i just felt i could no longer silently say thank you and just walk away i wanted the judo community to know that i am hurt and that our future will be hurt if changes are not made I understand the new board and the new leadership is going to work hard to make changes. And and this is just me. I agree with that. I also, I always have and always fought for my hardest and advocated my hardest to make that possible. But as I said, it gets to a point where I can't sit back and watch what I believe to be big mistakes being made. This is what my heart says and what I felt I had to do. I wish I had the insight to not ruin people who I admired evenings. And as for being asked to leave on the mat, it was a small moment in a long list of experiences and I regret mentioning it. I am not above anyone else, nor do I think I should be, but I am human and many who know me would agree a very emotional one at times. There was nothing wrong with what that volunteer did, but when they said, I know who you are and you need to get behind the barrier, I will admit I was hurt. I only wanted to help, truly. But I apologize to those trying to make our sport great and safe. I should have had a badge. My door will always be open to those who love judo and my heart as well. Thank you and again for everything, Kayla. Now, again, like I said, shame on you, whoever that person is who treated Kayla in that way. Because, yes, she admits that she should have had a badge. But for crying out loud, this is Kayla freaking Harrison. This, this isn't this isn't judo Dave this isn't some bum off the street just trying to you know make a ruckus it, this is Kayla Harrison 
what difference does a piece of paper around her neck or some kind of piece of plastic around her neck with her name on it matter? She was trying to help judo in that particular moment. And this is the kind of stuff that a lot of people out there, they have been put in positions where they want to help, where they want to volunteer, but then you have some other guys saying, no, you can't do that because you haven't done this, 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 and this. So people throw their hands up in the air and wave them like they just don't care and say, why should I even bother? Why should I even bother doing this if this is how I'm going to get treated, if I'm just going to be told, no, I can't do this? So for you guys that, well, you don't know because I haven't announced it yet. I am actually trying to get uh, Serge onto the program to discuss the future of USA Judo. Now, granted, he's the coaching director. He's not going to speak for the executive or, or, or for the CEO, Keith Bryant, if I got his name correct. But he can at least give a little bit of insight into the inner workings of USA Judo and what direction the executive committee wants to go with USA Judo. Kayla had her platform. I want to give Serge his platform and his opportunity to speak in a more meaningful way to this particular podcast audience. And hopefully, maybe some of you guys can come away with a different feeling about USA Judo. Because when I watched Serge's video, I came away with a different feeling. And I would like Serge to expound on some of those talking points. On some of the other points I made on my podcast, I want to make I want to clarify something that may have come off as if I was criticizing the athletes of USA Judo. And I just hope you none of you thought that I was implying that I don't think these athletes are good enough. And, and, and that was the source of my frustration because I do believe they're good enough to be winning gold medals at world championships and other high-level events, or at least getting on the podiums at at, at different high-level events on the IGF World Tour. I believe they're good enough. I, I believe they have what it takes, the, the hard work, the judo ability, to get on those, on those podiums. I, I really believe that. But my point, and, and it's something that I don't see, and maybe I'm completely wrong about this, is that I would like to see USA Judo make more of an effort to bring coaches from other countries to bring up the level of our elite athletes to ensure they get up on those sets. Because, I mean, I, look, I don't know all the dynamics, but I can't imagine each and every one of our Elite athletes can go to Jimmy Pedro's up in uh, up in Massachusetts. I, I don't know if that's even possible. So how I don't know how USA Judo is going to bring up the 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 level in terms of coaching. So he, here's my example, and I, I brought his name up a couple of times. I, I swear I'm I'm not promoting him because he he does he he's the best self promoter I've ever seen in my life, Doctor Roddy Ferguson. I know for a fact. Uh, because he said it before many times that he at one time was the head coach for the Bahamas Judo Federation. So the Bahamas Judo Federation recognized a need to bring up their level of Judo. So what did they do? In, instead of just looking within themselves, they 
attempted to bring somebody from the outside who could help their elite athletes in in uh, the Bahamas Judo Federation and to bring up the level of judo. And as I understand it, during his time there, they, they managed to produce an, an Olympian. I believe it was for the, the Youth Olympic Games, but it, it doesn't matter. The fact remains is that during his time there, they managed to produce an Olympian. And I feel that that's what... Uh, that's what they need to do for USA Judo unless you're going to have Jimmy Pedro be the guy that that creates a, a curriculum that that makes American Judo unique to the rest of the world. And I believe during his AMA that that on Reddit that Jimmy Pedro had a month ago, he and Travis Stevens are are creating this kind of a program. And I think that's great. But what if for example, they got Iliadis as the head coach from Greece. I mean, yeah, that's a tall order. I get that. But there are plenty of former champions, former gold medal winners that you never know unless you ask. And again, look, I get it. I don't understand all the finances of USA Judo, not by a long shot. I don't know what that would take, but I do believe the level of coaching Needs to be brought up somehow. And this is not a slight on anybody on USA Judo who is a coach for their own clubs or anything like that. But I'll just use myself as an example. I could never get somebody to the Olympics. I, I can't. I recognize that. I know there's a, a you know, one of my, my former coach used to say that every single uh, judo club believes they have their next Olympian. I'm not I'm not saying that I don't believe that at all, but because and I don't believe that because I'm not the guy that can bring up the level of judo to that level. And I understand that. I'm just a local guy trying to give back to the judo community by assisting at my local club and trying to help kids and and adults and anybody that walks through that door learn judo. That's that's the best that I can do, but Taking it to the next level, I would have to tell any of my students, look, if you want to you wanna take it to the next level, win states, become a part of, of Team USA, sorry to say I'm not the guy to do it. And, and I'm okay with admitting that. And, and I think we need to get to a point where we have to look at other people or maybe even look at ourselves from, from a national level and say – we're not good enough to bring up the level. Why don't we talk to people who we think are good enough to bring up the level? And if that means searching the world around around the world to find that guy, let's bring him in and let's interview him and find out what could he do different that we are not doing. And maybe you don't bring in a... Uh, uh, an Iliadis to be a full-time head coach, but you bring in somebody for maybe a couple of weeks to be a consultant to evaluate things that you're doing. You talk to the president of the Azerbaijan Judo Federation, for example, or or or, or the president of, of you know the All Japan Judo Federation. What do they do to bring their athletes up, or even the French Judo Federation? I'm just throwing countries out there that have shown 
repeated success on the international level. I think it's important to talk to these people, have a dialogue and 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 find out where USA Judo can improve. I I, I mean and I I just I'll use myself as an example again. I subscribe to Superstar Judo. I I think it's a great service. I think really everybody should subscribe to it if you're if you don't have the kind of level of expertise that that you want to have. And if a student wants to get better, I need to help that person get better. And the only and, and in my eleven years of of judo experience, I I didn't learn everything. My my coach used to train with a lot of high level people, but and he taught me everything that he could teach me, but he didn't know everything. So as a an assistant instructor that simply just doesn't have the time to visit different clubs around the state or even around the country, I need to find a way to improve my own judo or at least improve my ability to teach things that I haven't been taught. And that's what I use Superstar Judo for. So because I'm not going to find out locally how the Mongolians do their grip breaking or how the Mongolians do their particular style of judo. I'm not going to learn that from anybody around here, but at least I can be exposed to it a little bit by doing some research online through a paid service. So that's how I am trying to bring up my own level of judo so that I could be able to teach that to the students in my own club because they're not going to get that from anywhere anywhere else uh you know unless they're also subscribed to to superstar judo but they're not going to get that by just going to your local YMCA or whatever they they're just not and and people who run local clubs uh, they they teach things that are important in judo but they can only go so far i can only go so far so uh, from what I've been taught, so I have to continually learn so I can teach other people, even if I'm not able to do it uh, proficiently in, in Rondori, for example, it doesn't mean I can't teach the principles. And, and that's what's important. And I, I just think that if they're not doing it already, USA Judo at some point needs to bring in other people, consultants, whatever the case may be to bring up the level of the elite athletes and and you know from from there well well i'm not suggesting that that judo has grown from the top down i i think it's i think it's got to grow from the bottom up from the grassroots level up but once our grassroots level uh athletes and competitors make it to the top level they need to be pushed further and you know, based on what Kayla Harrison stated last week, based on what a lot of people reacted to, I'm not sure if there is a system in place currently that's going to push our athletes who are more than capable of being gold medal winners. I, I, I firmly believe that, but they need to be taken to the next level. And I think as an organization, USA Judo could, could stand to learn a thing or two from, from other successful organizations. That's so. Long story short, that's basically what I was trying to say in terms of our athletes in USA Judo. I wasn't being critical of them. I wasn't saying they're not good enough. That's that's not what I was saying. I was saying that 
that they I know they work very hard, they make a ton of sacrifices, and I believe their judo is good enough. I, I, I really believe that. Their judo is good enough to make it to the certainly on certainly in, in, in the Waza, I, I think the United States as a whole is a better country in terms of Nawaza. And I think our, our uh, Olympic medal winners have shown that on a world stage, we have better Nawaza, generally speaking. So, you know, perhaps we create a curriculum. I, I know uh, Jimmy Pedro stated as much. You create a curriculum that's based off of winning on the ground. And, this country needs an identity in terms of judo. When we look at Mongolians, we know exactly, you, you know, you you could just, you don't have to see anybody's face to know that, oh, that's got to be a Mongolian. The Russians have their own style. The Japanese have their own style. The French have their own style. They, they So these countries have a style and they have an identity. And I'm not so sure if, when I see a lot of the U.S. athletes, if we have a national identity in terms of judo, and and I think I think that's what's missing. And I think once we get there and we have a solid identity, I think our identity can be can be Nawaza. I I really believe that, especially now, uh, you know, on the world tour, they they allow for a lot of time on the ground. If you guys haven't been paying attention, this, this isn't. You know the the 1990s anymore, where they stand you up after two seconds. No, you can. They they allow a lot more time, and I think that can be our identity. And and along those lines, there's nothing wrong with with being linked with Brazilian Jiu Jitsu to get that identity. I'm not. We you can't do Jiu Jitsu in Judo. It's it's two completely different sports. But I believe I believe there's a lot that we can learn in terms of how jujitsu guys do certain things on the ground that simply just are not done at a, at a, at a world stage by other countries. I, I see, I see some of the turnovers and some of the approaches on the ground and, and it's, and look, they're all better than me, obviously, but from a, from a, as an observer, I think, a lot of the top countries, some of their nawaza is, is fairly rudimentary. So, and I think that that's an advantage that, as as a country, we can take advantage of that. It doesn't mean that we sit there and and fake throws just to take fights to the ground, but but I think if we had a a, a, a national identity that that focuses on the ground, uh, we can find a lot of success there. Certainly, Travis Stevens did. Certainly, Kayla Harrison has. Certainly. Ronda Rousey did. I mean, they they were all excellent at throwing. Don't, don't don't get me wrong, but I don't think as a country we're going to see. Hey, you know, the United States is known for a great uchimata. No, I don't see that. I I, I see ourselves being a country that's known for that's great at choking people out or getting people to tap out through an armbar. I th- I think that's the direction that we could go and find a lot of success in. Now, speaking of high-level competition, I have breaking news. It turns out Teddy Riner will not be traveling to Russia to compete in the Ekaterinburg Grand Slam. It, I read a report on a French website, uh, uh, alljudo.net, that 
that Teddy Renner is injured in his uh, tibia, if I understand it correctly, if I read that correctly. Uh, I had to use Google Translate because I don't, I'm not multilingual like I would like to be. But he will not be making the trip to to uh, to Ekaterinburg. And it turns out that France and Japan will not be sending any heavyweights. That's according to judocrazy.com. Uh, I I don't know why Japan is making that decision. Perhaps because the All Japan Judo Championships were just very recently that they feel that they need their their athletes to take a break and not make the trip to Russia. I don't know. I, I'm not in, inside those particular walls. But that's unfortunate. I was really looking forward to see Teddy Renner compete. But he will not be in Ekaterinburg, which is uh, that Grand Slam is in is going to be in two weeks, three weeks. So that's unfortunate. I will not be able to see that particular tournament live because that's a weekend where I'm going to be moving into my new home. So just as a reminder, there will likely be a missing podcast that uh, that following Monday. Or the Monday of the 15th. I'm, I'm not sure yet. I'm trying to get some interviews done ahead of time to use as, as, as filler, I, I guess, for lack of a better term. So so I'm hoping to have to, to, to not have a break in the schedule there. I, I, I managed to be able to do it during my, my WrestleMania weekend where I, I managed to have a podcast where I thought I was not going to have a podcast. But... This this time around, there may be a missing podcast, but I'm I'm working on things to try and have something for you guys, e- even if it's just uh, Judo Joe Kaiser singing a song for you or something. No, I'm I'm not gonna have that happen. <laughs> no, no, no. He, I mean, he plays guitar, but I, I'm not sure he can sing. And if he does, he'd probably be screaming in the microphone for two hours singing. So, all right, let's see. I I think. Uh, the Pump the Brakes edition of the Judo Chop Suey podcast. I think I've managed to pump the brakes on a couple of things that I said in my last podcast. However, looking at my notes here, there is one more thing I'm going, I want to point out. I'm not going to read this. I'm going to have this as a link in my podcast show notes. There's been a lot of innuendo and such in terms of what has actually been happening within USA Judo over the past several years. I'm going to link to a blog put out by Dr. Anne Maria Maria DeMars, something that she wrote a a number of years ago regarding what the heck is going on in USA Judo. And instead of reading that whole thing, I'm just going to set a link for you guys to to read the article yourselves and, and you can come to your own conclusions on what has transpired over the past several years within USA Judo. And this is... The kind of stuff that that uh, Serge Boiso has was wants to be able to move on from, or at least some of it, anyway. So I will link that there, and you guys can take a look at that article and and come to your own conclusions. If you have any thoughts on that after you read it, feel free to email me. Which the email address, if you're interested in writing to me, because I love listener reactions, is judochopsuishow at gmail.com. You could also reach out to me on. Twitter, which is at La Vida Judoka. And you can follow me on Instagram, which is also at La Vida Judoka. And I tell you what, the reactions, I'm getting a lot of follows from you guys, and I really appreciate it. Feel free to, to ping me on Instagram and say, hey, 
I'm following you because you threatened me on the Judo Shop Sui podcast. No, <laughs> you don't have to say that, but you could feel free to let me know that you're a listener and and I'll you know what if you let me know that you're a listener, I'll follow you back. Unless your profile is is hidden and you don't want me following you, you could just reject it. No hard feelings, you bastard. But anyway, um, I'll follow you back and I'll like your pictures and all that good stuff. So with that, I hope you have a great rest of the week. I hope you have a good week training, whether it's judo or Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Oh, by the way, shout out to Os Nation out there. Train hard. Stay safe out there. Until next time, I'm out. Open Gangnam Style. Gangnam Style. Open Gangnam Style. Gangnam Why are you guys still here? I, 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 I got to get going. I'm having lunch with WWE Chairman Vincent Kennedy McMahon. And he's he's been waiting in the studio for quite some time. So, uh, look. Mr. McMahon, do you got anything to say to the listeners? Come on! Get out of here! All right. I'm out.